New Hope community. Hi, my name is John Burgess, and it's such an honor to be with you today in the Advent series. Uh, it's been at least two and a half years since we've been together. I just got off the plane, and I'm so honored to be asked by Pastor John to come and share the word with you today. Wherever it is that you're at, I believe God has something for you as we make room for worship and waiting on the Lord in this Advent season. It's interesting because I lived here for five years. I got to pastor at New Hope Oahu. I got to be a part of what God was doing when he launched uh, this church. And it's just been so amazing to see how God has been using this church. And one of the key kind of voices in my life during all of my time with New Hope was Auntie Claudia Alford. And for those of you who knew her, she's been with New Hope um, f for almost from the beginning. She was our production manager. You could see some pictures here of of just her amazing heart. And she just passed away um, uh, not too long ago uh, from a fight with cancer. And I've come back here, uh, Keone, her son, asked if I would uh, be a part. And I was so, so privileged and honored to be able to come back here and to be able to celebrate her life. Because even though she was never up front on the stage leading worship, she was always the one behind the scenes capturing the worship and making sure everybody watching online or everybody in the room could could participate in it. She was one of my favorite worship leaders because you understand worship isn't just about singing or music. Worship is an attitude of the heart. It's that place where you and I position ourselves to glorify God and invite others into it and there's few more who personified what makes New Hope so good, which is that heart's expression to the Lord like Auntie Claudia. And so even as I'm back here for kind of a, uh, a solemn reason, it's actually exactly what I want to talk about today because the celebration of Christmas, the observance of Advent, the celebration of Christ's coming, it's both happy and sad. It's it's highs and lows. And I, I want to invite you into making room for worship, just like Auntie Claudia did. It, it didn't matter uh, if she was, you know, doing one of the Easter Sundays with thousands of people coming through at the stand sheriff, or if she was just, you know, uh, with family and friends uh, on the ukulele at uh, Kalua Beach. She had a heart for worship. In fact, here, here's an example of this. She, she had texted this to me a couple years ago. She said, the sun is out. Coconut trees are dancing in light winds, and the ocean is reflecting the sun's rays. It's a beautiful morning in Hawaii. And I love that. Now, you would hear that, and you would think, well, she, was she on vacation? You know, was she, maybe it was her day off or Sabbath. Maybe she's taking a nice walk. No, look at this picture. She was stuck on the H1 in heavy traffic. Literally, it was a parking lot. You, you, you've probably been there. And yet while she was there, she decided, I'm going to worship the Lord anyways. And she just started looking around and noticing the glory of God. And that's the position that I want to bring that no matter where we're at, maybe it's a happy time, maybe it's a hard time, maybe we feel stuck in a place like she was in traffic. God has a song for each of us. In fact, that's exactly what it says at the top of our notes in Colossians 3:16. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all your wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know what this tells me? Is that every single one of us have a song to sing. Every single one of us have something to bring. 
It's why even though you're watching this online, when you gather your family together to watch this, you can have church right where you're at. Wherever it is that you're having church online or in person, it's important that we keep coming together because God has something he's given you to bring to others around you. I, I like how the Westminster Catechism puts it. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you're looking for your overarching life purpose, we've been made to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Not because God is insecure, like he needs us to tell him how good he is. No, because you and I are literally wired. We've been made to give God glory. And when we aren't, we're missing out on what it is that God has for us. Uh, all told, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing, 50 direct commands to sing. The longest book of the Bible, the Psalms, is a book of songs. In the New Testament, both here in Colossians um, and in Ephesians, we are commanded to bring our worship to the Lord. It's, it's not optional. We're commanded to bring it. So what I want us to do just over the next couple of minutes is make room for three different types of songs. As we go back to the Christmas story, I want us to see how actually the, the Christmas story, the original arrival of Christ, is replete with examples of songs and worship rising up within the hearts of normal people just like you and I. And the first is this, is that you and I would make room for spontaneous songs that we would embrace the changes. Now I know, having just gone through COVID, uh, the last thing we want to talk about is more change. We just want something to stay the same, right? And yet I got to tell you, we know this, but the only constant in life is change. And so we want to invite Jesus to be constantly in the middle of that change with us. I mean, just look at how Mary's life changed, right? She was planning on just marrying this, this carpenter, having some kids. She had a great plan. That was it. And then the angel visits her and changes all of her plans and says, you are going to bring about the Messiah. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and, and you are going to birth the Messiah. Now, this probably didn't make any sense at all. And yet she said, let it be done unto me according to your word. This point of obedience was just an amazing place of faith, even in the middle of the massive change that had now hit her plans. Now, a little ways down the road, about 81 miles down in Hebron, her cousin Elizabeth had also received a prophetic word through her husband, the, the priest, Zechariah. And God had promised that even though they were really old, that God was going to give them, John the Baptist, a miracle child who would prepare the way for Christ. And so Mary goes and visits 81 miles, walks down. I, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but I'm just picturing along that road by herself, how much she's probably going over in her head what the angel said, how in the world this is even going to be, maybe even some doubt creeping up there. As it says in Luke 129, she was pondering and perplexed at the words from the angel. Now here's how beautiful God is. She shows up to celebrate this miracle child that God has given her cousin. As soon as she walks in the door, Elizabeth is filled with the spirit. Baby John, inside of her womb, jumps up, and we see this response in Luke chapter 1, verse 44 through 50. Elizabeth says, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And from this, a spontaneous song erupts in Mary. I just, I would love to have been there. I'm so glad that Luke includes this moment because here's these two family members uniting, both of them with a miracle child. And this song just erupts right in the middle of it. Mary responded, oh, how my soul 
praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Yeah, even to this day, we are calling Mary blessed for her obedience. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. She was talking about our generation. She was giving us a clue, reaching out through her own song to say, hey, even in the middle of the unexpected change, embrace it because God is changing something in you. He wants to birth something through you if we will fear God more than our future, if we will fear God more than our past, if we will fear God more than our failures. God in the driver's seat means that even in the middle of unexpected change, we can see a spontaneous song arise within us, a point of joy that you and I aren't expecting. Oswald Chambers put it this way, as soon as we abandon ourselves to God and do the task he has placed closest to us, he begins to fill our lives with surprises. Doesn't that remind you of Christmas morning? I love this. But when we have the right relationship with God, life is full of spontaneous, joyful uncertainty and expectancy. Both of those things going together. The uncertainty of what's next, but the expectancy that our God is going to do something in the middle of that change. Now that sounds great, but why don't we like to live this way? Well, let's just be honest. I like my plans better. I think my plans are going to work out a whole lot better than this change and this upheaval. And I, I felt that exact same way. Here, here's a picture right here of one of the final rainbows that we saw right over here on the east side in Hawaii Kai. And we were only a few days away from moving from Oahu, our home for five years, to San Diego to restart a church. It was not our plan at all. We were planning on Hawaii being our forever home. And even though in this picture our, our, our family's smiling, when, the, when they were not taking pictures, we were crying because we were leaving behind our ohana. We were leaving behind our, our friends that had become like family. And we didn't understand why, but before the rest of the world went through the upheaval and change of COVID and the pandemic, God had taken Cindy and I, my wife and I, through a letting go and a surrendering process all through 2019. We didn't really know what it was leading to until we got to 2020. But that surrendering process meant we had to lay down all of our plans. And like Mary, we had to say, let it be done unto me, even though I don't understand what is going to happen next. So you can see we traded the warm, beautiful beaches of Hawaii for the cold, wetsuit-required beaches of California. But God had a surprise for us, as he does for you. See, this picture right here is of a family that we met month after moving in the, in, to uh, California. And they were the Lynch family. Turns out they have seven daughters. We have five sons, they have seven daughters. I think God was like maybe doing something there. And he pastors like 15 minutes down the street from our church. We meet up with them. His, uh, Pat is howly like me, but his wife is part Hawaiian. Their daughters, all their daughters, are so beautiful. And so we were there sharing spam musubis and uh, teriyaki chicken and rice uh, on the beach, getting to know each other. And then all of a sudden I look over and you can see this picture. My oldest son, Elijah, is having a conversation with their uh, second oldest daughter, Kehalani. And I'd never seen a look like that on his face before. He was falling head over heels over this girl who led worship at her dad's church. 
Now, fast forward. This past July, we got to celebrate Kehalani and Elijah becoming man and wife. And I got to tell you, on that day, there was a spontaneous song rising from within my heart. I couldn't help but think, what if I had missed it? What if I had said in my heart, no, God, that's not my plan. My plan is to stay here. We would have missed this beautiful thing. Now, that's just one of the things that God surprised us with. Because we embraced the change, that spontaneous song, that surprise of joy came. And now we belong, our Lynch family and the, and the Burgess family, we are one. And I can't, what God is doing in that unity is just something beautiful to behold. Now, God has a, a surprise like that for you. If you're willing to embrace it, he has something for you. And so here's a discussion question that I'd love for you to uh, talk about with your family or your friends at home where you're watching this. The only constant is change. The only constant in the change is Jesus. So where has Jesus surprised you with joy in the middle of the challenges? If you haven't seen that surprise of joy yet, look for it. I promise you. If you trust him in the middle of the change like Mary did, you're going to see him birth something beautiful. So let's make room for a spontaneous song. Secondly, let's make room for slow songs by embracing the waiting. Now, this one's really hard for me. I don't know about you. I'm not so good at the patience thing. Have any of you guys ever seen that movie Zootopia? It's a Disney movie. It's like, a, you know, animals in kind of like a human world. And at the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, they have a guy named Flash who is a sloth. And he, like a sloth, moves really, really slow. And they, it's just driving them crazy. And it's hilarious because if you ever had an experience at the DMV, by the way, if you're from the DMV, we love you. Jesus loves you. He died for you. I'm just saying in general, my experience at the DMV has been very sloth-like. Everything takes like 10 times as long as you think it should. In fact, we took Ben, my, my third born, he had just turned 16. We took him there. And I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, the guy that my wife was talking to literally fell asleep on the other side of the plexiglass while he was waiting for a response on his computer. He, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. So I took my son to get his license. We had our appointment. It wasn't until an hour later that he was finally able to go take his driving test. And you can just imagine that hour felt like 10 hours to him because he just wanted to get his license, get that taste of freedom. So he passed, and uh, here he is driving away by himself for the first time. And all of a sudden, I realized something. Oh my gosh, I'm the sloth. Slow down. I just, I, I wanted life to slow down. This is my third born with his license driving away without me. And all of a sudden I'm realizing, wait, my firstborn just got married. My secondborn is probably not too far behind with his girlfriend. My thirdborn has a license. My twins, oh my gosh, this is going way too fast. And it kind of gave me perspective because sometimes we look at God and we're like, God, I, God, I'd never call you a sloth, but you seem to be uh, taking an awful long on answering this prayer that I've been waiting for you on. Now, here's an example of making room for the slow song. Straight, again, straight out of the, the Christmas story, embracing the waiting. So, 40th day of, after Jesus' birth, they bring Jesus to the temple according to the law of Moses. And they present him, dedicate him to the Lord. In Luke 2, uh, verse 25, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. 
He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. I love that. Now, he went to the temple all the time. But specifically, the Spirit was leading him this day to the temple, and we know why. Because when Mary and Joseph came to present Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. This is the moment he waited for all of his life. He took the child in his arms and praised God. This song rising up. Again, he had waited all of his life for this moment. He had braced the slow song and the waiting, but look what it led to. This song that just rose from room to worship. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now we know that some miracles happen overnight, but most of the time, God's miracles are happening over time. And most of us are, are yelling at God, we're getting impatient, we're trying to make the, the answer come in our own timing, and, and yet, because Simeon waited on God, he had this promise, and he knew if God promised it, he would bring it to pass. He waited his entire life, he was able to be there for that glorious, holy moment when Jesus was dedicated in the temple. I'm wondering about those places where you and I might have given up, where we were waiting on God to do something because he was taking so long, we're taking it into our own hands. Or maybe we've just given up completely. I always wonder, what if Simeon hadn't followed the Holy Spirit that day? What if that was the day he gave up? What, was, what if that was the day he hardened his heart and said, I'm done waiting. I'm not embracing this slow song. This is going, taking way too long. Can we just be reminded of this one thing? God is a multitasking God. He's up to about 5,000 things at once, and you and I are aware of about three of them. And yet we deign to tell God how he should or should not do things according to our timing. Listen, isn't this exactly what the Advent season is? Advent season is a season of waiting on God. The four Sundays leading up to Christmas morning is about his coming and arrival. It's not just about his first coming with Christmas. It's also about his second coming, that he is coming back for people that are watching and waiting in expectancy on him. And I'll tell you, this is a slow song. It seems like it's taking forever. I'm like, God, how much more evil does the world have to get? And he reminds me, I'm waiting because I want to give everybody a chance to come to know me. That's his heart. His heart is that even in the middle of the waiting, even in the middle of the pain, that you and I would find he meets us there if, like Simeon, we're holding on to that promise. I remember how important that promise was to me. It was last summer, and it was during the Delta variant, and I'd just come back from summer camp, and I got it from one of the kids. And it hit me like a Mack truck and my lungs. And when I finally went in, because I was having a really hard time breathing, they said, oh my goodness, we have to rush you to the emergency. Your lungs are black. You have double COVID pneumonia. And they rushed me in. I, I was short of breath. They hooked me up to an oxygen machine. And I remember that night they kicked my wife out because of COVID. No one was allowed to be in there. And the doctor basically said, um, you're going to need to tell everybody that you know um, that you love them because in just a very short amount of time, you're not going to be able to talk to them. And honestly, for a guy your age with lungs like that, you're probably not going to make it. I'm serious. She said it like that. 
and it felt like a, just a, a punch to the gut, which, which was already awful considering I couldn't hardly breathe anyways, and I couldn't even have my wife in there with me. That was as dark and night of the soul as I've ever experienced. I felt so alone. I'd just been told basically I'm going to die. Get ready for it. And yet in the middle of that, God just spoke this simple word to my heart that I want to share with you. It's just this, John, you have more songs to sing. Now, I, yeah, I lead worship, but I knew he was talking about the fact that I, like you, have been made to glorify him, and he wasn't done with my story yet. There was more glory that my life was going to bring to him, starting with this sickness. He said, I want you to ask people to pray for a five-day miracle. Some of you guys maybe even were a part of praying for that miracle, a part of the healing that God did, because five days later, I'm walking out of that hospital. The doctors couldn't explain it. They never used the word miracle, but they said, hey, whatever it is that you're doing, keep doing it. And I said, oh, it's not me. It's God and the people praying for me. And he hears their prayers and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, whatever, just, just keep doing it. And you guys kept praying and I kept holding on to that song. And Maverick City, I remember, released this song right at that time called, I will wait on you, I will wait on you. I couldn't even sing the song because I couldn't get enough breath. But that became kind of like my mantra. I'm going to wait on the Lord who's going to renew my strength. And I walked out five days later without even needing an oxygen tank. I didn't find out till later from a nurse that they said, if you hadn't been healed by that five day, the normal kind of response was they would intubate me. And once they put that hose into your mouth and down your throat, it's, it takes much longer and it's much harder to get healed. God knew that. I didn't. All I had was that promise that I got, John, you have more songs to sing. And I, I believe God has that same promise for you. Wherever it is that you've given up hope, wherever it is that you're tired of waiting, God has more songs for you to sing. He, like Simeon, he has something to bring you. It may seem like it's taking forever, but if he's promised it, I promise you, he will bring it to pass. And God wants to do that in you and through you. And sometimes it's just about refusing to quit. That's our discussion question here is, is would you just determine that you're going to keep showing up? Maybe it's to your marriage. Maybe it's to your job. Maybe it's parenting your kids. Maybe it's believing that God will bring your wayward son or daughter home. Wherever it is, wherever God has given you that promise and it seems like he's forgotten about, let's be Simeon in this. Let's embrace the slow song and watch what God does in bringing it to pass. Embrace the waiting and God is going to do and complete what it is he said he would do. So let's make room for the slow song, the spontaneous song, and finally for the sad song. And let's embrace the healing. You see, I, I didn't finish what Simeon had said in his song to Mary. But at the end of it, he said, The deepest thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now, this is not what a mom wants to hear. You can imagine Mary going, can we just stick with the first part of that prof prophetic song? The second part about Jesus saying things that are going to offend people and it's kind of going to cut my heart in half. I don't really like that. And yet that really is a part of the Christian story. It's a part of the Christmas story. Zachariah, when he finally uh, took that step of faith, and God opened his mouth when he said, yes, this is my son and his name is John. Zechariah has a song that comes in his heart that reveals to us this contrast of both light and darkness, a sad song in the middle of the celebration. He says this about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, verse 76. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. 
You will tell his people to how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who, look at this, sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the path of peace. Listen, Jesus, when he came, was walking into the shadow of death to bring his light. And we understand the, the, the darkest places, all it needs is one light to light up that room. What we get from the Christmas story and the part that you don't really hear sung about in the songs is that on top of the, the angels lighting up the night and the shepherds and the wise men, we also have infanticide. We have a crazy King Herod who heard about this prophecy about Jesus and he sets about to make sure no one's going to take his throne. Matthew 2, 16 through 18, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted. Now, you don't hear that in the carols most of the time. You don't hear that in the jingle bells and the happy songs. But for a lot of us, this year is not happy. This year brings up hardship and pain. Maybe even some of the loss you've experienced because of COVID over the last couple of years. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. God wants to bring you, just as with the first Christmas, it's very possible that this Christmas right here has a lot of sorrow and hardship and loss. As I mentioned, the reason why I'm here is because I lost my auntie, Auntie Claudia. I'm going to see her again in heaven, but there's, a, there's kind of a, a mixture of emotions here. I'm so glad to be back here in Hawaii, but I'm so sad I can't give her a hug until I see her again in heaven. And God wants to meet each of us in that place. Each, each of us in that place of hardship and loss and pain. You know, it's, it's really hard to think about. But the truth is, is that life with God is, is, is not going to keep us immune from difficulties. But if we will embrace Him, invite Him into Emmanuel, God with us in the pain, He will meet us in that place. Let me close with this story. I remember it was a few years ago, and my, my oldest son's best friend's name was Jake. And they were just about to start their junior year over here at Kaiser High School. He lost control of his truck. His truck slammed right into a light pole and he died instantly. And I remember uh, it was the day after his death, the day after that we were scheduled with New Hope to do a video of a new song off the Scripture Songs album. And I remember my boys looking at me like, Dad, we're not going to do this. And I, I was really thinking about calling up the, the crew and just saying, hey, you know what, we're not going to be able to be there today. And something inside of me, I really felt like it was the Holy Spirit said, can you choose to worship me even in the middle of the pain? Even in the middle of asking the questions, God, why could this happen to such a young man that was so important to our family? I still had all of that stuff swirling around, but I looked at the boys and I said, hey, you guys don't have to, but I want to invite you. Let's come in the opposite spirit of what we feel like doing. Let's worship Jesus even though we don't feel like doing it. Even though our hearts are sad, let's celebrate who he is in the middle of the hardship. And you know what? It actually ended up being a healing moment, the beginning of a path for healing that we were then able to come alongside Jake's family and their friends and begin to walk them through healing as well. 
I don't know what sad song is going on in your heart. I don't know what is there that is maybe even keeping you distant from God. But can I just pray with you right now in the middle of that pain, wherever it is that you're sitting and watching this right now, instead of building the wall against God, saying, God, I don't have time to wait on you to answer this, or being resentful of God that the change just keeps coming. Let's invite him into this and see what song God wants to raise in the midst of it. This is what Advent is all about. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, I just thank you for each person here. I thank you, God, no matter what it is that they're going through, that Emmanuel, you are God with us, not just in the happy times and around the Christmas tree and when everything is going great, but you are the God with us in the middle of the unforeseen changes. You are the God that is with us in the middle of what seems like an eternity of waiting. And you are the God that's in the middle of the, the loss and the pain and the sorrow. If the first Christmas wasn't perfect, ours isn't going to be either. God, but we grieve today as those who have hope. Christmas is not our source of happiness or peace. You are. And so we come to you right now. We don't want to stay distant from you. Neither do we want to just get so busy in December, God, that we are able to ignore the pain now. Instead, right here, right now, we invite you into the middle of it. And that your peace that passes understanding would guard the hearts and minds of each person watching this. And God, that you truly would birth a new song as we make room to worship you in the middle of all of our circumstances. We've been made to give you glory and enjoy you forever. And it starts here. It starts now. It starts with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for, for giving me a couple minutes. Um, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope you can join us again next week as we continue our Advent series. God bless. Thank you.